Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker and Brian has nominated Nancy Martin as a game changer. And we're so excited Nancy has taken time out of her day to spend a few minutes with us today telling us more about the amazing work that she's doing and why she's doing it. Her heart of rescue and a little bit more about what got her started and what inspires her. So thank you so much, Nancy, for joining us and congratulations on your game changer nomination. Thank you so much. So tell us a little, for people that don't know, for listeners and readers who aren't familiar with the amazing work that you're doing, back up and maybe walk us through how you got started doing. How I arrived at my place. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I, I went to my first dog show in 1967 and I was a professional handler actually in Chicago in Lake Forest, Illinois for uh, 40 years. And my husband is an, was an AKC executive field staff. So we moved to to Oregon to, because there's no representation here. And during the time I ran my kennel in Illinois, I always had a small food bank and I uh, would deal with my local veterinarian, which was Dr. Donna Rausch at uh, Best Friends Animal Hospital in Grays Lake. And we used to have a lot of food. People would send their dogs to be shown and we didn't need the food anymore or whatever. And so I always thought it was you know wasteful to throw it away. So I started doing a small pet food bank. So when I retired from showing dogs and moved here, I I wanted to do something um, along those lines, uh, you know, helping people who really, who already had pets that needed help. Yeah. Beautiful. So that was the idea. How did your idea get translated into action? Well, you know, uh, like you said, gotta be, gotta be pushy, gotta get it done. So obviously (laughs) with my purebred dog background and my skill set and my connections, dog food was something I could get. And so um, I just got working with all my dog show friends and all the clubs, Uh, kennel clubs have been incredibly generous. So there was a small nonprofit that existed here in Oregon uh, where they actually did something called Animeals, where they partnered with the senior centers. And when I moved here, um, they were they were pretty much struggling. And I got involved early on um, and helped them donate food and deliver and stuff like that. And then um, it was obvious that it needed kind of a kick in the you know, what to get going. So we've expanded and now we run a full-time pet food bank and we do emergency response. We do a veterans program. We deal with homeless. Um, it's kind of amazing. And it, it's in fact a destination resource. We have a, a hard, a hard venue, a warehouse, which I'll take you for a quick tour. And um, we're, you know, we're really making a huge difference. I think the really, really important thing is if you look at the correlation of uh, other counties in the country with a population versus population in shelters. So for example, Clackamas County, is about a half a million population. Traditionally, you'd have a shelter for 50 dogs, which we do in this county, but we never have more than five dogs in the shelter available for adoption. And if you compare that to other counties in the country, that's going to be a different metric because this program is a definite cause and effect to keep pets out of shelters. Wow. Amazing. 
did you realize when you started out feeding animals that needed to be fed, mm-hmm. did you realize that, that you would end up, could you see a bigger picture then or no? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see the bigger picture. I think part of it is, you know, it's a, uh, I mean, I have a lot of dog knowledge, a lot of animal husbandry skills, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously knew how to feed dogs and knew and under, understood the need and understood, you know, really part of the rescue issue, you know, part of a big part of it, as you know, a, a, for rel- shelter relinquishment is inability to provide. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's, that has been underserved and underreported and, and actually underrepresented and misrepresented for a long period of time. You know, people don't, I mean, there are always going to be somebody who doesn't care for the animal properly or give it up. But the average person doesn't want to have to give the pet up. They traditionally can be forced to. Yeah. And did you have you when you started getting food and then matching food with people who needed it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was there a point when you needed more food or have you always had enough food to meet the need? Or as your need has grown, companies have stepped up. Where have you been on the um, on the, the seesaw? Uh, yeah. So early on, the numbers were, you know, obviously manageable. Now they're, they're not. Um, and luckily, I mean, I've, we've progressed and I've got a really great board now and um, a lot of help. And, and we have a grant writer and she's been really helpful. And we do have a little store. Now we have small ongoing revenue where people can come and buy pet supplies for, you know, cheap or things that they really need, like flea meds, stuff like this, you know, for basically nothing. And that's helped. Um, And as far as donations, you know, we've had obviously, you know, insanity this year with the fires and the ice storms and stuff. And several of the companies have been really good stepping up to the plate. Good. Good. So you are able to, you haven't had this giant hole of people lining up and not enough food to serve them. You've been able to scramble provide. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I would say, I'll show you when I show you, to, I think we're, we're, a little, we're long past the scrambling. Okay. Good. We're into there. We're into, we're ready for you. That's awesome. Have yeah. you had other people, have you had other communities, even other, you know, other cities in other States, have you had people reach out to try and emulate this program? Because you, there's some unique things about your program that, yes. that other pet pantries aren't doing. That's correct. So, um, yes. And actually, um, our lawyer who we, we just love, I've asked him to set it up where we could quote unquote franchise it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is fran- It is franchisable, which is not exactly the right term, but it's close. It's a comparable, you know, term. Um, but they have to fundraise individually in their state, sure. which would be about 3000 to get it started. And then our board would be the board for everywhere in the country. So it wouldn't be an individual board in a region. But if someone hears this interview and is like, listen, there's a massive need in my community, but I have no idea how to do this. You could provide a mentorship program for someone. A a mentorship and, and, and for lack of a better term, a template. Yeah, exactly. How, how do you go about it? Yeah. And you know what I have found with a lot of people, a lot of people, there's a lot, there are a lot of gross people in the world, but let me tell you, there are a lot of (laughs) There's a, there are more amazing humans that want to help, but they don't know how. They don't well, that's what it is. That yeah. is, and you know, it's interesting. That can become a paralyzing fear. Yes. Yeah. It, and it, it can. Is, they just good people do nothing, and that happens way more often than you think. So yeah. what you're saying is that you set this up to be able to to emulate, to mentor, to provide some framework on how to do this. That's awesome. How many? Set up, people, I want to set it up for success. It's so good, Nancy. How many people? Just guesstimate. How many people are you serving right now? 
So I can give you numbers, which will be very interesting. Um, I'll show you just, this is, this is our roster of people who are on the sign-up sheet. You're gonna die to see this. So this is my, that, can you see that? Nope, I only see your fingernail. Okay, let's, oh God, how about that? Is that better? Oh yeah, oh my goodness, yes, see? yes. Yeah. Okay, so those are people that are signed up on the program. Yeah, that come once a month, right? That's my food bank program. Um, it's thousands, it's thousands. And I'll give you a quick little, I'm in the, I'm in the office. And yep. so this is the warehouse. So I'll give you a little quickie. It's not the most glamorous walking with your phone, but I'll take you outside first, show you what it looks like. Yeah, this is what it looks like. Can you see everything? Do you have, a, nope, I see you. Okay, let me turn around. Can you I, see? I see a door. I see a warehouse door. Oh, I see your front door. Yes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yes. Right. So this is how you walk in, and this is what it looks like. Oh wow! Right. That, that is fantastic. Why? Wow. So you know what's so awesome is that people have a few choices. It's not like they. It's not like it's here's your one bag of food. You. you no. 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 So briefly. Briefly, so the left here, you'll see, is grain-free. So this whole stuff to the left is grain-free yep. and a lot of high-end stuff for sure. Yep. And then this is traditional. Yep. And then over here is cat. Wonder. I was going to ask about kitties. Fantastic. Right? There's cat. That's all cat and litter. And this is all supplies. A lot of food. And then these are a little specialty kind of foods, corn-free, small bites, things like that. Great. And then here's cans nice wow right and then wow. prescription diets wow that is right so, wow right and this is how we do so we bag them so this is a mix and there's litter yeah so like for example if you you know we have people come in and say oh you know of course you just want to cringe when they say it but they're like you know we we feed purina dog chow yeah and um so Right. Okay. Well, so that's what, that's what the pets used to. And you know, and I know if I go give an um, Nulo or something that that's going to be a vet bill that nobody can afford. Yep. Yep. So what I do is um, I have all those options. We can stick brand loyal or I can be close to what you have where, you know, the same protein source and same base type food where we're not going to have a gastro upset or um, for people that have, you know, dogs that basically they buy whatever's on sale. Now I'm sitting down uh, and they can afford to feed, you know, the lowest quality that that we would consider like, you know, like a low quality food versus a high end food. Um, we mix it and I mix it in those bins, which were donated. And then I don't know if you saw, I bought an RV dump and then I turned them into grain hoppers. So that's how we fill our bags. And do you have people come in? Is it a monthly? Is it just whenever they, whenever they need, do people apply or how, like, how do you, how yeah. do you go about matching? So it's, um, it's really simple. We don't, we don't, the first and most important thing is we don't turn anybody away, no, no matter what the circumstance. Yep. The only reason I have anybody sign is so that I can keep a record, uh, for example, of what the pet eats. So I'll show you, for example, like this one here. Can you see that? Okay, so that's a diabetic cat. So that cat can, you know, of course, we're not even going to go there, but that cat has got to eat a prescription diabetic food or, or, you know, some of the high ends work for that. But this is a person, you know, she's a senior and the, pet is, the cat is expensive now and she can't afford it. So what I do is I specifically write and everything's color coded. 
So grain-free is red, traditional foods are blue, and then corn-free is lime green, so that I can tell by a glance and it's separated. So let's say um, you, you wanna come to the food bank. So here's how we do the program. People get food once a month and we give them enough food to feed the pet for the entire month, which is different than virtually every other food bank in the country or any other pantries, because they are all what I refer to as supplement pantries. We are not a supplement, we're a full feed and we have no cutoff. So a couple of them, you can come, you know, once or twice, three times, maybe two, three months or whatever, and then they cut you off. See, we don't do that because I've discovered if you're out of work and you're out of work for three months, well, what if you had to work the fourth month? Yeah. yeah. Then everything we've done for three months and you're still going to dump it in the shelter because it's your only option. That's crazy. So people come, we, I refer to it as our full service monthly pet food bank. And that's the third Saturday of every month. And we do one really huge one because I can get a lot of help on one day. Yep. And yep. Um, people come, they sign up. It's basically just the information about their name and address and you know what they're interested in. And really what I need, I don't even need addresses because a lot of people don't even have them, but I just need to know what your pet weighs and what you, if you were flush, what you traditionally would feed it. And then I try to match it as much. But we do have people who come in and say, you know, my pet can only eat one particular protein source or this particular brand is the only thing that doesn't make my pet sick or whatever. Then if we have that brand, which we pretty much do, we'll, we'll stick brand loyal and give that person with that, that, that specific brand. Um, but as far as any, we used to want some, you know, some kind of information as to why if you want food stamps or something like that. But honestly, after the pandemic, we went up 20%. And then, you know, here, obviously, regionally, we had the fires, which was, you know, horrific. And then we had an ice storm. So we've, you know, we've had a lot this year. So we have no criteria for anybody. They just have to show up, fill out your name, tell me how much your dog weighs, whether it's spayed or neutered. You know, we, we, we are not spay neuter required, but because we understand. And I also understand now veterinarians are backed up but we do want pets to be spayed or neutered. And we try to educate the client base that I am eliminating a pet food expense or a supplies expense. And you, that should give you the opportunity to take those funds for spay and neuter or vet care. For, for vet care, you got it. Yeah, what a, what a amazing thing you are doing. How many volunteers um, help you? So we have about 25, yeah. but- it's, um, you know, with the pandemic, of course, like everything else, and, and you know, my base clients, um, you know, they range in every kind of age, but not the volunteers. My volunteers, are, most of them are over 65. And so um, we had a really cut down. So I can only have four people in the warehouse so we could safe, safely social distance. Yep. So during the week, I'll have um, I, I'll have about four people come and you, we, we usually hear about three hours a day. And then sometimes some in the afternoon, I'll be here. And then the day of the food bank, I'll have a lot of people helping me, maybe as much as 12. Yeah. So on a normal food bank day, um, which is the third Saturday, you're going to die when I tell you this, but, um, you know, we'll do 5,000 pounds in a five hour period and we'll do, um, so we average about a thousand pounds of food and about 225 cans an hour. Wow. Yeah, it is really scary. <laughs> it's um, it's life saving. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. Yeah, it is life saving. When you thought this up, when you got this idea, and then you know you put one foot in front of another, and just do what the next step requires to 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 mm -hmm. 
to eventually make it the vision in your head, be the vision in front of you, which is what you've done. When you get up in the morning, what is most, what's most fulfilling about this? Cause I mean, there's so many aspects you're saving animals lives. You're saving human lives. You're yeah. saving the relationship. I mean, there's yeah, exactly. But it's I, about, you know, the, the whole thing is, I mean, the original FIDO thing, which was the Animeals, because that's our favorite program. We partner with every senior center in the county and we deliver, home deliver pet meals alongside Meals on Wheels. And I think for me personally, that's the, and all of us here at FIDO, that's the program that we love the most. And that's the program that if, if like you said, if, if we didn't have any money or we didn't have any food or we, that's the one program that we would cocoon, right? Um, because that, that is, you know, so many of them are seniors that are, you know, that have lost their, their significant other and now the pet's all they have. Right. And that's really the, that's the one thing. And I wake up in the morning and I, I just know that my whole life has been dedicated to pet care, you know, dogs in particular. And I don't know what my life would have been without them. And I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to care properly and, you know, care well for every dog I've ever had and, and dogs that we showed. And I just can't even fathom, you know, what it would be like to wake up in the morning and not be able to do that for your pets. Yeah. And how beautiful, I think, I think sometimes it's easy to judge from the outside these situations. And yet most of us haven't been there. And when you think about not being able to nourish your animal, it switches everything. And when you think about the fact that these animals are all these people have in many situations, it's why the, it's why they get up in the morning. If yep. they didn't have their animal, there would be no yeah. reason, motivation or hope to even get up. Exactly. And the other thing is, you know, it's the non-judgmental, you know, it, it is, of course, you know, of course, you know, being an educated, you know, person about pet food and pet supplies and, and, you know, animal husbandry and all that stuff, you know, yes. What I do, what I like things to be done different, but it's the reality of the situation. And the, and more, the more important part of it is you can't judge people for the stage they're at in life, but what you, you know, and their socioeconomic status, and you, you really can't ever feel, and you shouldn't ever feel, and we don't feel, and I definitely don't feel that pet ownership should be based on your ability to pay or not to pay. And there are, you know, there, I mean, of course you want people to be able to pay for the vet stuff, but there are some really good programs out there that do pay for vet costs like Red Rover. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some options for vet care. Even Dove Lewis here in, in Oregon, they have a, a velvet fund. So, I mean, there are some options, but there is virtually nothing, not even one per state pet food. And the thing is, it becomes a socioeconomic stratosphere, right? I can eliminate your expenses. And, and maybe what you can do is you can buy a prescription or you can take the pet to the groomer. You know, there are a lot of things that you can do if I can eliminate that, that big expense. The other thing is I did, um, I, whenever I speak, I, I have learned after a period of time, I was asked to speak at the Canby Chamber of Commerce, which is a small town here in, in uh, Oregon. And they had had some suicides in their high school. And they they were trying to reach out and get some, you know, some sort of, uh, oh, let's say, more socially conscious type programs. And I said, I, I would venture to say that the families that those kids, you know, were from didn't have pets. Yeah. And um, so I've learned that this is much like you just said, this is a social services program and this is a mental health program. We just happen to be the portion that feeds the pets but directly relates to mental health and no even, 
and even family stability. I mean, there's all sorts yes. of factors at play that yes. feeding a pet accomplishes well beyond filling up yeah. a, a belly, hands down. No question. And that is interesting. So I, in my quest to uh, find other ways to, to quench the problem, um, I invited the canines, the Clackamas County canines to come train in my building. Cause you know, like what bigger of a distraction could you possibly have? <laughs> and, uh, and the first time they all came, they went right in the crapper because of my sweet potato treats. And we put the, the scent boxes in the sweet potato treats. <laughs> and I, so I hope you guys aren't going to get attacked with a perp with a sweet potato because you're all in, you're all in trouble. Yeah, but yeah. It was so funny. So then I got to know them a little bit and then I got to know a couple of the locals and I met some of the muckities. And so now I have a deputy, uh, deputy sheriff on my board. But the other thing I did is I have everyone, um, there's a key available during any one of the three shifts of Clackamas County Deputy Sheriff's Office, they can come in and get something out of the warehouse if they need it. Good. You know, if they run, right, if they run into a situation, a DB situation or, you know, uh, you know, any kind of situation. Three o'clock in the morning, they can come here and get pet food in a bed and a crate if they need it. Cat yeah. litter, a leash. Yeah. So good. So right. good. And then so, I did uh, just one thing along that line. I did a presentation for the probation officers based on that because I did some homework and some, you know, some of the relinquishments that the numbers that really aren't kept crisp for the average person or people within this, the game like we are is relinquishment due to car incarceration is a big part of it. Yeah. Nobody ever thinks about that. Yeah. So I thought, well, I know if, if somebody, if one of the household members is incarcerated and, and the income level drops, there's programs for kids, you know, but not for pets. So all of our probation officers in our county know not to relinquish a pet because there's no pet food present. Yeah. Because we'll feed them. So good. So are you, are you statewide? We, we have a small branch in Eugene and we have what I call that two outposts. Okay. One in Gates, which we set up after the fires, and one in another town called Otis, um, and that was predominantly based on where the fire damage and you know the destruction to the economy was the worst in those areas based on the fires. Because that, I mean, that type of emergency, basically that's emergency services. So you step in, you know, we you, have an emergency program. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And in those situations, literally life saving and changing in a whole different realm, but that's amazing that you have been able to branch out in kind of an urgent critical care situation and provide those services. It's, it's fantastic. So you have spent your, this last chunk, this last chapter of your life, seven years, Fleshing out this amazing program. I'm sure it, I'm sure that there are endless stories that, you know, you could literally, you could write a book of, yeah. of how this has shifted you. If you could tell the world one thing, Nancy, that you have learned through this, what would it be? Yeah. So the one thing really is, um, I, I, I would like people to understand, uh, uh like a three-part thing. Number one, um, your relationship with your pet is is a unique individual and highly personal one no discussion there is no even in even in a human relationships there is no relationship on earth that's that's equal to what a human has with their pet there just isn't because part of it is you can cultivate that pet to work within your framework and that said 
there should be no restrictions on that in any way, shape or form. And I do wish that we could educate the general public more um, from rescue, 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 rescue being the only option because this kind of a program could eliminate really an exponential number of shelter relinquishments. Mm-hmm. I mean, it because it, it, I can see it here. I mean, there's no question that if I sent you the numbers for the last seven years, you know, it's pretty shocking. We have people post all the time on the local blogs. There are no pets available for adoption because we have nothing in our shelter. And because you're intervening, you're intervening one step before, I mean, one or two or three steps, you know, you, you are proactively preventing. That's right. Ending up in the That's shelter. exactly right. Yeah, because we do seniors, we do veterans, we do homeless, you know, yeah. we do emergencies, this emergency situation when we've had these fires, you know, we do, I, I just started up, um, we do also with the reservations, I've sent almost 4,000 pounds of food to the local um, Na- Native American reservations here, because that's another, we have five in the state. And of course, that they have a water shortage. So what I did is I cut off the pet food expense. So they could avoid, they can buy water. So, but what I really would like people, I would like the general population and the general public and, and the wonderful people that read your blog and that pay attention to everything you say and do. I'd like them to know that there are lots of alternatives and it isn't just about rescue and it isn't just about, and it's not about us versus them. It's not about breeding versus rescue. It's not about any of that. Cause I'm kind of the poster child for a lot of what people wouldn't like. Wouldn't think it's good, right? And look what I'm doing, right? Exactly. And you know, there, there it goes. It goes back to the whole judgment thing that if we just yep. with judge, we suspend judgment and we look at the fact that you are preventing animals from needing to go into shelter. So the whole rescue, rescue thing doesn't exactly. place exactly. because you're, you're intervening prior to mm-hmm. crisis occurring. That's a whole different mindset. And there again, people, you know, if you can withhold judgment there, there are many, many, many well-loved animals in shelters that those people are heartbroken. They did not want to do that. That's correct. Exactly. That's the only option because a program like this does not exist in their area. That's exactly right. And the other thing that's interesting when you talk about that is this, is that, yes, vet, vet care is a problem. But like we said, there are some options for that. But, you know, the, the more immediate need is the obvious and that's food. Yeah. That, that is the immediate need. And part of it was in 2008, our, our local county shelter, when the economy tanked, this is before I lived here, but they, they were so overwhelmed by people relinquishing that they just would call people up and say, can you just keep the pet for two weeks and we'll give you food? And they realized that that could work. And so when, when I got here and I realized that they had done some of that and the food bank sort of was in existence, you know, it made a lot of sense to me. And part of it is, you know, it's it's a matter, too, is that, you know, it's a lot now where we've progressed socially to have less of a stigma for mental health. Mm-hmm. But to a certain extent, asking somebody to come and say, hey, I, I can't afford to feed my pet. You know, that that that's a difficult thing for some people. They're proud. Yeah. And so we ask for donation. And I've also noticed that um, people don't want it for free but they're forced to. So we ask for donation. We ask for $3 for pet food, $2 for pet. That's our suggested donation. Cause we have people that they come once or twice and then they don't come back. Oh, you know, somebody needs it more than me. And I think uh, if we ask for a small donation, you know, we say, are you able to donate today? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But part of it is as time has progressed and more I've spent doing this, you know, it really comes down to my feeling about the, the single most important thing. And that is the bond. 
it's 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 all about the bond, you know, the human pet bond and keeping it unbroken. And I just think that I've kind of cultivated and grown and, you know, and babied and 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 nurtured a very um, specific one, you know, area that really is underserved and totally underserved. And the the rest of the animal loving community is uneducated about it. And I think what partly what I'm hoping to accomplish with you spending some time with me helping to tell people about your mission and why this is so important is to additionally inspire people that hear or read this to consider if they are moved or motivated or inspired to do something like this in their own community, because the need is worldwide. And you know, and it's something that you have been able to find a system that preemptively prevents animals from becoming homeless. They're on that cusp and on the verge, and you are getting those animals nourished in the home to be able to avoid becoming homeless. That really is reworking. Um, that could dramatically help fix our broken shelter system if more volunteers in the local community stepped up and did what you did. Nancy, if people wanted to contact you, learn more about the organization, follow you, support you, where would they go to find out more information? So on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, it's Fido Pet Food Bank. And our website is www.phytoanimals.org. So good. And I am so thankful for Brian, who nominated you. You are providing uh, uh, thousands of pounds of solutions to a massive issue. And you're intervening in a way that other rescue organizations um, aren't, which means you're filling a niche or a gap in a way right. that is right. incredibly beneficial and helpful. Yeah. It's and a niche market, but but not 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 the niche market that we're used to talking about. This is a this is a this is a niche market of desperate necessity. That is exactly right. And what you're doing is amazing. And what I'm hoping is that you this, your program can be emulated in other places to yep. address this worldwide issue in, in a way that allows desperate people to keep the thing that they love most as a means of centering, grounding them emotionally, physically, but as, yep. a, as a means of support, everyone listening to this interview knows what their animal means to them. And yep. that is undefined by income, socioeconomic yep. status, that bond is pervasive because our souls connect with animals in a way that it doesn't matter who you are or how much money you have. That's the piece that you are trying to keep intact. And God bless you for all of your hard work. I really appreciate everything you're Thank doing. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure.